for the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Kate Scott. This is the update. On today's show, 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan spent almost 30 minutes taking questions from reporters and sharing his thoughts on racism in America last week. People need to know just because you don't see it, it doesn't mean it's not there. And white people have to acknowledge that this is a fact. This isn't debatable. I think now, I think white people are listening more than I've ever heard before, which is good. And that's the starting point because it's happened too long and it's very clear and I don't want to debate it anymore. No one does. Open your eyes. Our Matt Barrows was on the call and joins us to discuss. It's Wednesday, June 10th. Well, Matt, before we get into the details of Kyle Shanahan's words last week, I was wondering, was this a previously scheduled video conference or did the 49ers schedule it because Kyle had something to say? That's a good question. I don't think it was because of the latter. It's one of those things where they've been having a few players on per week via video conference. And, you know, people had been asking about talking to Kyle Shanahan, I'm sure. He hadn't spoken since the draft. So I had the first question, actually, and I asked him. With everything that's going on in the in the Bay Area and the country right now, can you share how you've addressed that? And he said yes. And I had a few sentences about that. We all started talking about it on Monday. And it's really continued um, all the way up till today. Not one day's gone by where we haven't discussed it. But when somebody asked him about his own sort of personal take on it, that's when he really became expansive and went into areas where a lot of head coaches, including him, hadn't gone before. And that's what kind of made it different. Okay, so let's share some of that. Whatever you can remember from the call, Matt, as somebody who is on it, taking in the content in real time, what stood out to you? It became more personal than it ever had. Kyle Shanahan took over in 2017, and Colin Kaepernick was with this team in 2016, and that's when the protests began. But they were still happening in 2017, probably the most memorable game was when they played in Indianapolis and Vice President Mike Pence showed up for the game. And everyone knew that the 49ers were going to protest and they did. And then Pence quickly hurried out of the stadium, made a big deal about it. It was uh, concocted. It was staged that he was going to walk out of the stadium if any NFL players took a knee during the anthem. Vice President Mike Pence making a bold political statement at the Colts game. Mike Pence left a 49ers Colts game before it started when some 49ers players kneeled during the national anthem. There was a lot of that during the season and Shanahan from time to time was asked about his stance and it was always always a good answer. I mean, he supported his players. I think it was good that he did it. I think there's a lot of lack of understanding and you know, people don't know why people decide to do stuff and people want to jump to conclusions, which you can understand to a degree. But I think it's very hard to, to have an opinion on anything unless you can understand people's intentions, um, understand why they wanted to do stuff. And you know, I know talking to Eric personally, it's, that's what he really wants to do. He want, wants people to understand his intentions. And his intentions are not to disrespect the flag and, and our country. His intentions are to help our country. And it's a way that he believes will. Um, you can disagree with that all you want, but um, I can't disagree with his intentions, and I respect his intentions. But it was never a really in-depth answer, and I feel like we didn't get that from any coaches in 16 and 17. And so it stood about, out about what he said the other day was basically how personal and how passionate he was about it. I mean, he, he was somebody who, with his dad coaching in you know the, the Raiders and the Broncos and 
throughout his life, he had exposure to players. He had exposure to African-American players. He became friends with those players. And, and what he said was, this is what stood out to me the most, is that when he would go out with these guys and they would be having a great time, and, and these were great players, big guys, brave guys, but when there, whenever there was a, a police officer around or they were in a situation where a cop was involved, he would see them physically change. I moved everywhere in my life. Never lived anywhere longer than four years. So I've been all over this country and I've had all types of friends. Uh, one thing I can tell you is consistent. Some of my friends, um, some of my black friends, some of the toughest guys I've been around, just awesome dudes, but I've never seen get scared of anything. And I can't tell you how many times I'm with one of my black friends and we're around a cop and I can feel something different in those guys. They're scared. And it's something that has always bothered me. And I've been in some situations worse than others. So he sort of knew that there was something there. He's not saying that he knows about the black experience, but um, he knows that it's very easy to be sheltered from it and not know anything about it. And uh, the more exposure, the more discussions that you have with people who have been through it, the more you understand. And that's, that's basically the crux of what he was saying. He wants people to be exposed, have conversations, interact. I mean, I think everyone has to do that somewhat individually. And people have to be aware. They have to admit what's wrong. They have to talk. We have to break through whatever the awkwardness that's between races, because that's not there with everybody, but it's there with way too many people. And I know our players are so passionate, so passionate, black guys and white guys, about trying to fix this. But I think we all know it's not an easy answer. It's the whole country admitting what is wrong, which isn't debatable. So people need to come out from being sheltered or ignorant, whatever it is. And whoever those people are, kids need to help their parents. The parents need to help their parents. And we all need to speak about it and do stuff. And know where African-Americans are coming from when it comes to discussions about them and, and police brutality. Uh, and when you do, you, you start to realize that there's something very, very serious, something heinous going on. Now, you've seen preseason Kyle Shanahan, draft day Kyle, Kyle Pree, and post-Super Bowl. So you've gotten to see a lot of different sides of Kyle Shanahan. How would you describe the Shanahan you saw on this call? You said passionate. What else? He's like Shanahan in, in other areas. There's not a lot of guile to him. We always joke that we'd love to play poker with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch because, <laughs> you know, the, these guys, you know, after covering the NFL for almost 20 seasons like I have, lying is a big part of the game. And sometimes I guess they have to lie, but uh, there's been a lot of lying going on in the 49ers organization over the years. And these two guys just don't do it very well. You know when they're when they're fibbing. I mean, the, the great example I use is when they drafted Mike McGlinchey in the first round in 2018, and they already had a really good offensive tackle in Trent Brown. In drafting McGlinchey, you sort of knew that they had plans to trade Brown, so we asked them that right after McGlinchey was drafted. At that point, the trade of Trent Brown to New England hadn't been quite consummated yet, so they couldn't say for sure. But these guys were squirming around like, you know, <laughs> their seats were on fire as they were answering that question. My point is that Kyle Shanahan speaks very honestly about things. And so when he started to get going about this topic, he spoke like he does about other things as well, his experience and his honesty about it, which I think is fantastic. What I liked about it, there wasn't a lot of coach speak and, you know, bland statements and 
and things like that. You, you see a lot of teams issuing statements and things like that. This was obviously coming from his heart, and it's obviously something that, that's bothered him pretty much all of his life. People aren't born with racism. They're not. And when there's something going on that's happened for a long time that is wrong, and a whole community recognizes it, the other part of the community doesn't. That has to be brought to attention. And I think it did come up hard in 2016. It comes up hard every couple of years this stuff happens. The problem is it happens again. I say for myself, like if I'm screaming for something that's wrong and it keeps happening, you're going to do whatever you have to do to get people to hear you when something's that messed up. And so each time, hell yeah, it gets worse because black people are fed up. I know I'm fed up with seeing this. How do we stop it? And yeah, it takes... Some, a really bad person to do something like this. The problem is percentage-wise, there's a little too many bad people and a community has to fix that. And he was finally kind of articulating that in a, in a public forum. Yeah, I was wondering about that. How did Kyle's words differ from those of other coaches around the league who've spoken out? To their credit, I think that there are more coaches starting to do that like within the last few weeks. And frankly, there are more white players and you know, white voices speaking out about it. And that's that's the difference between now and 2016 and 2017. It seemed like it was Chris Long. I've always tried to do things off the field that promote equality, uh, but this week I thought maybe a symbolic gesture might be what was poignant for me personally. And, and I approached Malcolm and I said, I don't want to steal you somewhere. I don't want to step on your toes, but uh, I'm here to support you. And, and you being a black male in America, I can never imagine what that feels like in the face of this stuff. But I'm here to ally. I'm here to support you. And he was the only prominent white voice that was sort of saying the things that we're hearing now from guys like Joe Burrow, from guys like Aaron Rodgers. Drew Brees obviously had a change of heart about what he said about uh, the anthem initially. But there are just more white people involved, I think, in this. I think you're seeing this in the in the protests as well. You see a lot of white faces, mostly young people at these protests, at these rallies. So that's what stands out to me. Before we go, I want to talk about the 49ers as a whole. How has the organization responded, Matt, from 2016 when Cap started his peaceful protest to today? Well, I mean, I have to think that they have been the most progressive team on this on this subject. Everybody remembers Jed York donating a million dollars back in 2016 to like-minded causes. And I'm not saying that throwing money at issues are, is is always the, the best response, but that kind of showed where York was in contrast to, to other owners. At the end of that season, I remember very distinctly when Kaepernick first started protesting, there were all sorts of predictions. Dan Fouts, one of the, uh, the announcers, was prominent in it, that what he was doing would just tear apart the 49ers locker room. There was no way that that locker room could recover from that. Well, that didn't happen. That team was bad, but it wasn't because the locker room was was torn apart. They were bad from a, a talent perspective. And at the end of that season, this happens every year, the, the players vote for their MVP, what they call the, the Len Eshmont Award. You know, it's a majority rules vote. And I don't know exactly how the, the vote came across, but the winner of the vote was Colin Kaepernick. That said to me that these predictions that it would tear the locker room asunder never came true. And, and really, most of those guys rallied around Colin Kaepernick. And frankly, they they saw the the truth and the importance of what he was saying. 
even players that didn't grow up, you know, knowing the things that he was protesting about, understood that this is just not right. And, and you saw it on your TV screen. I mean, you only needed to turn on the news and, uh, you know, watch Eric Garner being killed and, and things like that to know that this is real and it's serious. You've covered the league for over 20 years, as you said, Matt. Have you ever seen anything like this, the protests and civil unrest that's going on, not just in the U.S., but across the world now? No, I mean, I haven't. And I certainly haven't seen the, the sports world get involved with something like it is now. I talked to my parents about the 1960s and whether, you know, what's going on now is worse than 1968, which to them was the nadir, the, the very bottom of their experience, at least in American history. And and I know that Muhammad Ali and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Russell and and others were involved back then. I wonder whether it was to the degree that we're seeing now, just sort of rank and file guys getting involved in these protests and and speaking out and, and having uh, and, and taking advantage of their platform, really. I just wonder whether this is sort of unique. You read and you hear about all the musicians that were involved in the late 60s and early 70s. We don't really see that from that industry nowadays. And I, I just wonder whether sports is sort of filling that niche that uh, maybe the, the music industry rock and roll had back in the in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, it certainly feels like it. Matt, thanks so much for the time and the insight today. All right. Anytime, Kate. Talk to you later. To read Matt's article on Kyle Shanahan and to listen to the video call in its entirety, just check out the links we've got for you in the description notes of today's podcast. Don't forget, you can now listen to us through any of your Google devices. Just tell your assistant, play the update with Kate Scott podcast. And if you don't subscribe yet to the written arm of The Athletic, we've got a great offer going right now. Three months absolutely free. That's right. A free 90-day trial subscription offer awaits. All you have to do is visit theathletic.com slash the update. That's theathletic.com slash the update. Sign up for the free 90 days and enjoy. As always, if you're enjoying the podcast, we'd love for you to rate, review, and subscribe. For all of us here at The Update, thanks to Maddie Barrows for stopping by. Thanks to all of you for listening. I'm Kate Scott. Have a safe and healthy few days, everybody. Talk to you again on Friday.